Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. You know, expectations are a part of our everyday life. There's no getting around it. Expectations uh, something that we have to walk through all the time. And either we, either we place them on ourselves or, or we put them on other people or people put them on us. They have expectations. And uh, for example, if you're a young person here today and you go to school, uh, you're expected to get up in the morning and do what? Go to, yeah, go to school. You know, even if you're half dragging yourself out the door, you're still supposed to get to school. And you wake up about two o'clock in the afternoon when you're coming home, right? You know, there's certain things you got to do. They just finished something called exams. How many of you remember exams? How many of you never wrote an exam? Forever. Yeah, it's like a, sounds like a sentence, doesn't it? <laughs> exams forever. I was never one of those students. I always had to write exams no matter what. I, I just knew I'd be writing exams, reports, all that stuff. But when you get into a job, it's also about job performance and those things. You, you place them on yourself. Uh, some of us are high achievers. Like you just, you get an A and you wanted an A plus. You get a B plus and you wanted an A. And you're disappointed because you didn't get it. Is anybody here a high achiever? Yeah, yeah. April's like that too. She's, she's like... You know, if I got a, a C, I was like, yes, I got a C. <laughs> it means complimentary. And uh, I was thrilled. I don't know if they still use that system, but anyway, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, we expect uh, people to drive responsible when the roads are slippery, including ourselves. You know, not passing people and all kinds of stuff to get to church on time and then worship the Lord because you sped to get here. I've been guilty of that. I'm not going to ask you if you've been. You know, we expect the police, though, to do their job. We expect our doctors to know what they're doing when we have health issues. You expect the pastor to be prepared. You expect the worship team. You, you expect the parking lot to be cleaned of snow so you can actually get in here. You expect Rick or somebody out there to be making the coffee, right? You expect that when you come in. You expect the cookies to be fresh and good, right? Because the cookies just disappear around here. What's our cookie budget a year, Pastor Wayne? Okay. <laughs> See what I mean? You just expect those cookies to be there. We have expectations all the time. Now, today is the Super Bowl, and the expectations on this are like through the roof. So I had Pastor Don look into some things for me as the Patriots and the Eagles play, and, and uh, this is what he can't. Here's just a few. There was all kinds of them, but here's, here's a few. I'm going to have them on the screen. Uh, they expect to sell all the tickets to this game. Now, listen to the prices. They start at 419 U.S. That's 516 Canadian as of Thursday. I think it's more now. And up to $9,082 U.S. for one seat, which is 11171.25 Canadian. Now, I have bought cars for less than that. Yeah. And uh, secondly, they expect to fill all the commercial spots Five to 5.5 million for 30 seconds. And, the, and you know what's horrible? Is we only get CTV. We don't even get the American commercials. I got to go online to see those. Expect uh, one to 110, 100, 110 million people to watch 
This is one of the most watched U.S. television broadcasts in the entire year. This is a biggie. They expect the tradition to be the same um, for the Super Bowl, second largest food consumption day next to the American Thanksgiving in the States. 14,500 tons of chips with guacamole, 160 million avocados, 12.5 million pizzas. That's a lot of youth. Will be sold. 1.33 billion, say billion, billion chicken wings. Man, I should have opened a chicken wing joint. Like, look at this. 56 thousand healthy hot dogs sold at the stadium, uh, just at the stadium. They expect to bring uh, uh, about 72 to 100 football footballs for the game. 72 to 100 footballs for one game. That's how many they bring just in case they get deflated. Ha, ha, ha. And finally, um, finally, I had to throw this in because I'm a Packer fan. Uh, they won the very first Super Bowl January 15, 1967. Now, think about that. Now they've won some since. But anyway, there was all kinds of stats of expectations people have or owners have or game people have about that game. So expectations, I can't get away from them. But in light of a, being a follower of Christ, what does Jesus expect of us? What is he asking of me and of you if I say I'm a believer, follower of Christ? And I thought, you know, what does it mean to be a disciple? What, what am I committing to? Do you ever wonder what you're committing to? You say, will you sign this? And you say, what am I committing to? What is the commitment I'm, I'm making? If I get a contract with a phone, what is the commitment I'm making? If you're purchasing a car, how much is it biweekly? What am I committing to? And we need to ask the same questions when we're following Jesus. What am I really committing to if I say I'm a disciple of Christ? I want to follow him. What is required? of me and my identification, myself with Jesus. In other words, what does Jesus expect of his followers? Now, last week, you had an opportunity to look at some things about your identification. This week, we will have it on, uh, on the website for you, as well as a sheet that you should have got when you came in. Thank you, ushers. So you should have that sheet with you. That's your take home. That's to work on. It's also on the website. Now, let me just say this. If you have any questions while you're doing it, email me. And before I start the sermon each week, I will try to answer your questions if there are questions. All right? So I want this to be a little bit of a dialogue if possible and not a monologue because we all join together. So I thought to answer these questions, I need to recognize the cost. And in Luke 14, 28 to 30, in the NIV, Jesus said this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, or let's say a shed. How many of you have ever built a shed? Now, obviously around here, your idea of a shed is different than mine. My idea of a shed is a little, you know, it looks like an outhouse kind of thing, you know, like a shed. To me, that's a shed. But you guys have this, you guys think, well, you're really big around here, shed. I call it a barn. But anyway, a shed. How many of you build a shed, no matter how big? All right, let me ask you a question. When you were going to do this and you got all the permits and you did all that stuff, blah, 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 did you figure out what it would cost? Now, there's something called overruns. I hear it all the time from the government. Uh, I hear it all the time from the city. There's overruns. Do any of you ever run into overruns? In other words, there's more cost than you have money for? I think we run into that, right? So, so Jesus is saying you need to count the cost. You need to sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to what? Complete it. So do you have enough funds to finish the job, no matter what it might be? 
And he says this, for if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person, well, look at them. They began to build and they weren't able to finish it. And so that's the challenge Jesus was putting before his people, you and I, about expectations. And, and Jesus was talking to his disciples and he's talking to us. He says, you want to count the cost right up front because you know why? Jesus isn't looking for people who are half-hearted, wishy-washy, or just go, Jesus says, come on, follow me. You say, ah, whatever, ah, whatever. Well, ah, whatever is not going to cut it with Jesus. And I was uh, reading through a couple of books that I've been reading on discipleship, and this is from Francis Chan in his book called uh, Multiply Disciples Making Disciples. And he was being sarcastic about this when he wrote this. And he said this, he wants us to, to imagine Jesus walking on the beach, so say, of the Sea of Galilee, I mean, and, and there's the disciples, and he says this, hey, hey, would you guys mind identifying yourselves with me in some way? Kind of open. Don't worry, don't worry, I don't actually care if you do anything I do or change your lifestyle at all. I'm just looking for people who are willing to say they believe in me and call themselves Christians. And I read this and I went, Francis Chan, that's really nasty. But it's true. Well, it's true because he may be sarcastic, but in reality, sometimes I think there's more truth to this than we think. And thankfully, Jesus was not looking for lame or wishy-washy people at all, and he's still not. He doesn't want you and I to be wishy-washy, as it were, half-hearted. Why do I say that? Well, let's think about the movement called the church, which we are a part of. And for over 2,000 plus years, this has been happening and it has penetrated almost every area of the world and has changed politics, laws, uh, schools, on and on we could go. The influence of Jesus Christ, the word of God and the church on society. The moment we think we don't have a place and we're losing that place is because we're not doing what Jesus has called us to do, church. If we were doing what Jesus called us to do, we would be transforming our communities in dramatic ways. And yet Jesus is saying here, count the cost. I expect this of you. And I thought, what does it look like? Well, to me, it's pretty clear. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't leave anything ambiguous. He doesn't leave it kind of half hanging in the air when it comes to his commandments and what he's saying to us. And of course, the most famous that we're going to be dissecting and looking at in this discipleship series comes from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. When Jesus is talking to the disciples, Jesus has huge expectations. And the message talks about this. I'll read it from the NIV first. It says, all authority. Say, all authority. Who said that? Jesus. So who has all authority? Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, given to Jesus. Then because of that, he says, therefore... Go. Does that mean go or does that mean stay? It means go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The message says Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, making them, uh, marking them by baptism in a threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this 
day after day, right up until the end of the age. And so very clearly, the expectation that Jesus has is clear. There, there's, there's nothing ambiguous about this. You say, well, you know, should I go, shouldn't I go, should I make disciples, shouldn't I, should we baptize, shouldn't we baptize, all this stuff we go through. Jesus has commanded and commissioned us. Now, I started to think about this. I thought, who is the us? Was it just the disciples at that time, or is it us? Which is it? All of us. Can you guys say that? All of us. Now, this is the hard part. You're going to look at somebody beside you. And you can say, all of us. Go ahead. Come on. All of us. How's that feel? Weird? You know why? It's called accountability. Accountability. When was the last time somebody walked up to you and said, how's it going in your Christian walk and who are you discipling? Who are you investing in? Who are you coming alongside of and to help them grow in Christ. Who's coming alongside of you to help you grow in Christ? You see, that's what Jesus is saying here about this expectation that every single person is about discipleship. And, and it's not going or, or, you know, should I go, shouldn't I go? No, it's clear. You got to go for it. And sometimes we don't like to go for it because it costs us something. But he expects us to live and breathe in a different way of life different than the way I was before Christ. So when I came to Christ, I am now a different person. As a matter of fact, uh, when I came to Christ in 1981, my students at that time, so it was February of 1981, so they had me for the first semester, we're into February, the second semester, and, and God had radically changed me. I mean, radically changed me. So the students were saying to me, they said, sir, they didn't call me sir very often, but anyway, sir, what's happened to you? Who are you? Now, to me, that is Jesus. It's not me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in who? Us. Greater is he that is in Adam, right, than in me. Then And Dan, where's Dan? I saw Dan. Dan, he was out driving the tractor this morning. God bless you, brother. He didn't run me over. That thing would make wonderful mince me, wouldn't it? <laughs> Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. So greater is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so as these students are asking me this, I'm a brand new believer, and I just start telling about Jesus. Now you say, oh, you can't do that in school. They asked. I answered as best as I could at the time. And, and seeing some of those students come to Christ. Because I couldn't shut up. I had to tell everybody about Jesus. And that is the great commission, telling people about Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit win them. We don't win them. We tell them about Jesus. We point them to the cross, and he does the work. But that's our part. And we watch the demonstration of the work of God. John Piper said, the greatest commission, this radical calling and cost of following Jesus is the banner flying over us. And because of it, there are thousands of effects being unleashed. He says, do you see it? Do you hear it? Do you feel it? He says, now is the time for the church to arise. 
and fulfill the destiny God has set it apart for. This is what he expects of us, nothing less, nothing more. I read that and I went, "Woo! Man, I should put that up because that's what I'm called to do. Nothing less, nothing more, nothing less. That's the calling. It's a radical calling. Expectations. Every day there's expectations. Every day I have stuff in the office to do. Every day. How many of you here have expectations upon you every single day? All of us. All of us have expectations. How many of us put expectations on others? Do you ever go to Tim Hortons? McDonald's? You know, healthy places. Do you ever go there? Grocery store? People are waiting on you, have expectations of those people, don't you? Yeah, so we, we put those expectations. It's just our lives. Now stop and think for a moment. Do you think that Jesus wouldn't have expectations of us? When we have expectations of him, expectations of healing at the front, but he says, you know what? I have expectations of you too. This is a two-way street. This isn't a one-way deal. This is a two-way communication, two-way action, two-way purpose. And so he has expectations. Say expectations. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah. You know, the Lord so graciously walks with us through those, but he might expect something of me. And as a matter of fact, he does. So last week we talked about you, identity, identity and who. You know, that's, that's a simple answer. But it's hard to do, isn't it? If you're sitting here today and you say to be identified with Christ is easy, then I'm not sure how you're doing it. Because I find walking with Christ, and he calls me to things, my identity is in him, my only identity is in him, but it's hard. And I, by the way, I want to thank you. I had a couple of emails. People responded and said thank you for, uh, I think, Judy. Judy's still here right there. God bless you, sister. That word that God gave, you really messed up a lot of people, okay? But it wasn't you. It was the Lord. And, uh, and, but it tied in to what the Holy Spirit was saying and doing. And so a couple people responded and said, you know, I had my identity in this, but now my identity I need to see is in Christ. And I shouldn't be afraid to do this because the Lord says, go and do it. See, that's the word the Lord is giving us this year, church. Go. Go. Isn't that awesome? Go. If Jesus is saying go, what should we do? We should go. We should reach New Hamburg in the marriage course that's happening this afternoon. But they're doing, I think that's awesome. They went and they're saying, we're going to go into the community. We're talking about VBC. Maybe that should be in the community. Reaching the community. Reaching the community because he says, go. Reach your neighbors. Go. Reach your family. Go. 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 That's what he says. And I thought, you know, if my true identity is in him, he's placed this on me. He expects me to be someone who listens in prayer. He expects me to journal. He expects me to, to repent of my sins. He expects me to confess. He expects me to pray and touch people and read the word and, and call out to him. When you're on the phone with somebody and they start telling you they have issues, what do you think you should do? Yeah. I start asking the Holy Spirit. Remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah said, when the king said, what's going on? He said, I prayed. And then the Lord gave Nehemiah the words. I don't know how many times when I'm listening to people tell me stuff, I'm just, I'm praying. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do here. But you know. And Lord, you bring it. I was talking to a, a lady recently on the phone. And they're uh, thinking about uh, moving to our area. 
And uh, I was talking, and, and she was explaining kind of some of her childhood. And the more she was telling me, the more the Lord was revealing to me what to say to her. And her husband was there. They were on speakerphone. And, and, and as the Lord was speaking to me about this, I said, this is what I sense the Lord saying. And I just spoke it over her. Folks, we need to be that bold. We need to be that bold. And it's not bold in an arrogant way. It's not bold, I'm right, I'm the Holy Spirit guy, you know. It's just in the moment. The Holy Spirit reveals it, we act upon it. It's the going. It's the doing. It's in the moment. I run into it all the time. Because people are complaining all the time. Price of gas is too high. I heard a guy chewing out a lady behind the counter because the price of gas got up. You think she's in control of that? She just works there. I don't know why the price of gas is so high. What are you people doing anyway? We pay taxes. Blah, 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 blah. And I wanted to pray for the guy suddenly. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, buddy, buddy, buddy. And so when, I, when, when he went out, she was flustered. And I said, are you okay? She goes, yeah. And I said, well, I pray the Lord just touch you and give you peace. I said, you don't need that. I just, you just don't need that. She goes, oh, thanks a lot. Thanks. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. And then she started telling me about her day right there when the customers are right behind me at Max Milk when they want to buy their lottery tickets and they get frustrated because I'm talking, but I have to stand there for half an hour while they go through all their tickets. <laughs> I just want a chocolate bar. <laughs> Healthy chocolate bar. Anyway, so I'm watching them and they got this thing with all the tickets. I said, just pick one. I thought, you know, these are the opportunities that the Holy Spirit brings. Why? Because we say, Lord, this is the expectation you have of me as a follower of Christ to go, to do what you've asked me to do. And it's my spiritual act of worship, Paul says. Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, anyone who does not carry his cross, anyone, and follow me cannot be my disciple. Ouch. No wonder people left Jesus. This is too hard of a teaching. New Living Translation, and you cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. Well, what about him? What about her? What about him? Well, they're not out telling people about Jesus. They're not getting those expectations. Lord says, so what? You do what I've called you to do. I called you to take up your cross, whatever it might be, and follow me. And every one of us in this room has a different cross. Did you know that? Every one of us in this room has some kind of cross that we're called to carry. To take it up every single day and to follow him. And if he says, if you're not willing to do that, then you are not my disciple. You're really not willing to lay everything down for the sake of the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, what did he give up? Everything. Absolutely everything. He gave up everything for us. So that we could gain everything. That's why he did it. And so Jesus says, if you're not willing to take that up every single day, if you say you're a Christian, if you say you're a follower of mine, don't be wishy-washy, don't be half-hearted, don't be, oh, whatever. Listen for his spirit. Listen to the opportunity. Last night we went to, uh, uh, coming back uh, from being in town, we stopped at the Canadian Tire. It was snowing, and they were 10 minutes from closing there, and I had to, I wanted to pay a bill, so I went in there, and there was this dirty old battery sitting there, and this young lady was there, and this guy had dropped it off, and the thing was just gross, and it's sitting on the counter, and she brings this card around, and I said, 
you're going to pick that up? She had no gloves or anything. She said, yeah. I said, well, let me get it for you. She said, why would you do that? And I said, well, because that's what we're called to do. That's what God expects of us. You see those opportunities, folks? I just picked up the battery, and it was really gross, and it didn't help my gloves any, and I set it on the cart for her. And she came around, and she goes, oh, thank you so much. How can I help you? Like, she was just thrilled that somebody would do that for her. And I thought, it's that simple, folks. It's that simple. Lord, open our eyes to see as we go. We never know when we're going to run into the Ethiopian, do we? We never know when we're going to run into that person. We never know when we're going to go into the gate beautiful, silver and gold. (laughs) I definitely don't have. But in Jesus' name, (laughs) rise up and walk. That is the authority and the opportunity. So, your takeaway. Take out your inserts, please. Hopefully you have one. Like I said, we, I, we may have some extras back there uh, if you need printed, but it also is on our website. Or will be, eh, Chris? Is it on now? It's not on yet. It'll be on as of tomorrow. Thank you. So by tomorrow, and that's okay. It's, it's just that. Now take a look at that for a moment. On the back of it, I think it's two sides. Wait a minute, I should have it right here anyway. Yeah, on the back of it, it says action steps. You see that right at the bottom for those who have it? Action steps. And why are these important? Well, when you hear a sermon or you hear a teaching, I believe at the end of it there should be something we take away to do. So there's two things in this. There's the action steps that you're going to, because you've got to work that whole sheet through to come to the action steps. So you can't start there. You've got to go through it to get there. And I want to say this to you. When, you. when you figure out, the Holy Spirit shows you those action steps, you need to be accountable. You need to tell somebody what those action steps are. And you need to be able to give people permission to ask you, are you fulfilling those action steps? Otherwise, they won't happen. It's kind of like making a New Year resolution and never doing it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've done those. I don't do them anymore, but I used to do them. And then I'd be so disappointed because I didn't keep up whatever it was. I gave up chocolate for 20 minutes and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, but the point is this, that those, those action steps are something I need to take away and work on as a disciple because the Holy Spirit does keep us accountable, folks. It says in Scripture that someday I will stand before the Father and it says, I will give account. I will give account for this life. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not in the presence of God. Doesn't mean you don't know him. Doesn't mean you don't receive all the blessings and all that he has promised. But he says, Rob, you're going to give account. As a matter of fact, as a teacher, preacher, I have to give a greater account. A greater account. And believe me, that's a sobering thought. So you talk about expectations. He says, do not be afraid of the one who can what? Kill body and soul. Be afraid of the one who can in the sense of the devil, but be more so be in reverence for the one who we give account to. And so our lives, the day that you might be stretched out here in a box, that's just the remains. That's the leftovers. Because we're before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? On uh, This week we had a funeral with uh, Doris Herb passing away. And pray for Stan and the family, but... But I thought, you know, as I was watching the pictures and the family got up and said all this stuff, um, let's say those things while people are still alive, by the way. 
don't wait until somebody dies and then talk about how good they were and when they weren't. I'm not saying that doors, not at all, don't get me wrong. But sometimes I've been at a funeral and I'm listening to all this stuff and I'm thinking, are they talking about the same person that I knew? Because it sure doesn't sound like that person. So say those things just as Jesus would say them to us. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Keep going. Keep walking. Keep. As a matter of fact, Leroy, that scripture was so timely that the Holy Spirit gave you, that was bang on. That was listening to the Holy Spirit. There, there was an example. And just going and doing what the Lord said. And then let him take it. And then Jane had picked that song, um, Crown, what was it? What's the last one? Victor's Crown. And that scripture just went boom right into that song. Did you notice that? Now, they didn't plan it. Who planned that? The Holy Spirit. God planned that so that he could say, now I'm going to put an exclamation mark on what I want to say to you today so that you would hear clearly what I'm saying to you as my disciples. And so that's the takeaway the Holy Spirit gives us. But now I have to go and do some of my homework. I have to open the word. I have a couple of journals. I need to take out my journal, and I need to listen and, and walk it through and let the Holy Spirit speak to me. April and I do this. We just open up the Word, and we talk about what is it saying to you. Well, I don't see that. Well, I see this. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And so we, we sort of dialogue a little bit about that. That's our God. Amen? Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.